0: Amen. Angel, always a pleasure to have, have you out here. We look forward to that. It was a wonderful concert that we were we at. how long is it going to take for those for the albums to be produced? It'll take a little bit. Um, I'll give beginning of the year, be honest with you. beginning of the year. Yeah. Okay. If we can get it sooner, we will. <laughs> now the the pre sales and that does that help you get them out? Absolutely. Right. Are you is it okay if I open up to anybody here yes, to pre sell that? Have a wonderful Alright, so if you want to uh, purchase one ahead of time, uh, they're $12 ahead of time, they're going to be more later, there will be more later, if you want to get one now you can do that and uh, you can do so at our tape window, talk to Angel about it, whatever you want to do or just, uh, uh, we'll make it easy for her so she doesn't to collect all that while she's here, <laughs> but put that order on in and we'll, we'll get, we have our order in. You can turn over in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We told you last week that we were going to start this off with a question, and I didn't forget that. One of those times when I was over there in the shop sanding away and doing some things and meditating on some of the things about us ruling in life, this question came to my spirit What makes a good ruler? What makes a good ruler? If we are called to rule in this life, it seemed like it would give us an idea, a help if we would understand what makes a good ruler. And as I meditated on it more and more, the answer did surprise me. There's a story of a park warden who was known to be... He ruled his, his area of the park with an iron fist. And this guy shows up with a pole and a tackle box to go fishing. Looks he looks like he was gonna go fishing. He had a pole and a tackle box. And so the park warden came up to the man, he's got the pole and the tackle box, and he says, I need to see your fishing license. And he says, Why? He says, I'm just carrying a pole. And I just happen to have a tackle box. There's no law against carrying a pole and having a tackle box. He says, Well, no. I guess there isn't any law against having a carrying a pole and having a taco box. All right, you can go on. But this warden, he was suspicious. Like I said, he ruled his his area with an iron fist. He was tough. So he says, I'm going to follow this guy because I just know he's going to go fishing. I know it. And so he followed him and the guy waded through, eventually he crossed over the river, waded through these rapids and the warden followed him right on through and got soaked. But he stayed with him. The man went up, hiked up uh, this hill and then hiked back down the other side. And the warden stayed right on his tail. He crossed back over the river. Once again, the warden comes right on through, crossing over the river there with him. And then he goes through these really thick briars. And the warden got all cut up, but he stayed right with him. He's bleeding, he's soaked, but he stayed right with him. This guy kept this up for two miles. And the warden did not let him out of his sight. He kept him right there. And finally, the man with the pole sat down on the side of the river, Opened up his tackle box, put some bait on the hook, and threw the hook into the water. And the warden popped out, and he says, Aha! I knew you were going fishing. I caught you now. He says, Well, yes, warden, I am fishing, and now you can see my fishing license. (laughs) What makes a good ruler? 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Those who rule well. If there is a distinction to be made between those who rule well and others, does it not stand to reason that it is possible to rule better? Just because you are called to rule doesn't mean that you necessarily rule well. So what is it that causes one to rule well? As we've already looked at in Romans, we are called to rule and to reign in this life, right? But we must rule well. What makes it be that we rule well? What makes a good ruler? If we understand these things and understand what we are supposed to do to rule well, then we can understand maybe some areas of hindrance we've had in ruling. So what is a ruler? A ruler. In 1 Samuel 8, verse 20, pull that up on the screen if you would. I'm not going to go all the way there. and We showed you this one before, but this is one of the things, when they were going to first get a king, this is what the children of Israel were asking for. They said that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. The things that a king is to do... Now, we told you before, we went over this verse several weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was. We told you that our founding fathers use Scripture to set up our government. They used the ideas in Scripture to set up our government. And they got the idea of what powers and things like that. And I don't know all the Scriptures they looked at, but I do know that they took a lot of it from there. But if you look at this and some other places in the, in the Word of God, you're going to find that there are three main areas of responsibility for a king or a ruler. Three main areas. First off, and I try to summarize this to make it a little bit easier for you to remember. The first one is to minimize external threats. To minimize external threats. Enemies. That's really why they wanted one here in Samuel. Every time in the book of Judges that a judge came up, why did they come up? Because of an external enemy. Because of someone coming against them and they came up to be a leader, to come out there and to fight. To minimize external threats. Another one is to maximize internal resources. A good ruler is one who takes the resources they have in their country, the things they have at their disposal, people, minerals, oil, money, gold, whatever you have in the country, whatever you have, to maximize the resources that you have. So a good ruler is one who minimizes external threats, maximizes internal resources, and administers justice, they administer justice. The reason that a king or a ruler is responsible for administering justice is because in order for justice to be received, the people in which the justice is doled out upon must be submitted to the authority. If there is no submission to the authority, there is no justice you can 't do it that 's why you know in the book in the Bible it says don 't go out there and sue and, and you know put yourself before uh, other judges and such, stay within the church. The reason that doesn't happen as much now is because church people are not submitted to church leaders. That's the reason that it doesn't happen. Because if the church leader were to hear the case as the Bible was to say it, and that one church uh, member who didn't like the decision, that, well, I'll just go over here. I'll just change churches. I'll just go over to this one because I don't like what you said. I don't like what you did. Now, we've seen that sometimes in some some church leaders who have fallen. Because just because you're a church leader doesn't mean that you're not submitted. And some church leaders who have fallen who were under someone and they were said, all right, you need to do this. They said, no, I don't want to do that. And they got out. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to get back my own way. That's not a submitted person. And, and therefore, the justice won't, won't work there. So you have the government or the ruler comes in because if you don't submit to the authorities of the police, what happens? A greater authority comes in and you're in trouble. And they keep bringing greater and greater force until they subdue you and they bring you into submission to whatever other uh, thing is there. When they bring in a criminal, they don't just bring them in a criminal and all right, our recommendation is that you serve 30 years in prison. Is, is that okay with you? Well, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh 30 years, okay. No, they bring them in handcuffs. They have guards with guns around them. And they don't say, is this a good idea? They say, this is what you will be doing. We're not asking. We are telling you. And so that's why the ruler, the king, has the, the authority for administering justice because there must be a supreme authority to administer it. And sometimes you have to use force in order to have that authority reckoned with. So, to minimize external threats, to minimize external threats, maximize internal resources, administer justice. Now, in the area of ruling and having dominion, where has most of our focus as believers been? Would you not say in minimizing external threats? Most of the teaching you have about you being a ruler and a... And a Meaning, having dominion, has it not been about ruling over the enemy? About dominating the enemy? About being victorious over the enemy? Everything is about the enemy. What would you think of a king or a ruler, a president, whoever, whatever country you're in, whatever setup it is, what would you think of the ruler of that country always having you involved in war? How would you like that? Always fighting. Always sending your kids off to battle. Constantly. Once one war dies down, they find a new one. They go out and they get that war. Going, we wouldn't like that too much. In fact, this country generally has not liked war at all. We've had to be drugged into most of them. World War I, we had to get drugged into World War I. Probably should have been involved with it sooner. Had to get drugged into that one. Had to get drugged into World War II. Probably if uh, we hadn't been attacked, it would have been longer yet. And we just weren't going to get involved. We just, ah, we, just, we don't want to do that. Sometimes we just wait too long. But a lot of times a ruler is sometimes defined by the war that they're in. World, World War I. What ruler do you think of? Wilson. He was the one who uh, orchestrated that one. World War Two. That one started under Roosevelt, ended under Truman. And sometimes these wars define these, these people. Sometimes it defines them in a good way, especially if it's victorious. Sometimes it defines them in a bad way, if it's not so victorious. But of these three things, and do not answer this right away. I want you to think on this. Of these, these three things, minimize external threats, maximize internal resources, and administer justice. Of these three things, what is the most important responsibility of a leader? Which is the, of, of all three of these, which is the most important? There is no right answer. There is no right answer to this question. It depends on what is going on. If all the world is at war as it was in World War I or World War II, is administrating justice the top priority? because pretty soon there would be no justice to administrate. We had to fo- We needed to focus all of our efforts on the external threat because it was growing and it was big. World War II was the same thing. It was growing and it was big. And it was going to take over us if we didn't do something. And while we had allies to fight the war with. But once it was done, should we continue? should that still continue to be the top priority? What you will find is that a good ruler understands the responsibilities of a ruler and spends the time on each priority as is needed. <laughs> Depends on what's needed. Now, let me give you a couple of rulers here. When, for, when Saul first comes into office, he takes over the office of the kingship. What is the first thing he takes on? Philistines. First thing he does is he rounds up all the troops because we have an external threat and the greatest thing at that moment is Philistines. It's not whether my neighbor built a fence on my property. That's not such a big deal right now. The biggest deal is Philistines are taking away our fences. They're taking away our homes. They're burning our, our farms. And this isn't good. We need to get rid of Philistines. That was the big thing. So he rallied everybody up and they got that taken care of. And they worked on that threat to subdue it. When David, David spent a whole lot of time working on external threats, didn't he? He expanded the kingdom of Israel bigger than it had ever been before or since. It was large. It was a very large kingdom. He had a lot of nations that were subverbi- subservient to him. They paid him tribute money. And he did a lot for bringing money in. Money was Gold was common. Silver was common. Silver wasn't even counted as a valuable thing because it was so common. So much. So much brass. And even people didn't even... What's what's brass? That's eh, no big deal. It's nothing. Silver, eh, maybe a little bit of value there. Gold, okay, we got. Some. But he's got so much of this stuff in there. What what did David do though? Of the three responsibilities, which one did he slack off on? Administering justice. When his son rose up, what did his son say? Well, if I were a judge, he knew where the holes were. The holes in his father's kingdom was he's not administering justice quite right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna. Use this one. I can't do anything about the enemies. He's doing a great job on the enemies. As far as internal resources, we have more internal resources right now than we've ever had. So the only thing I can really focus on is justice. That's about it. Where was Solomon's focus? Just looking at the first three kings of Israel here. Solomon's focus, was it on internal resources? The king who came up after Solomon was King Rehoboam. What is one of the things that they they said to King Rehoboam? If we're going to serve you, we want you to do something. Stop the taxes. Your dad has been taxing us. Your dad has been driving us to work and to build. We've had to build temples. We've had to build houses. We've had to build all this sort of stuff. And we've been building and building and we can't take care of our own stuff. And we're paying taxes at the wazoo. I mean, come on, give us a break on this stuff. He worked on internal resources so much. He was driving them. He's building buildings. He's making gold plated stuff. And he's just got internal resources all over the place. And what about justice? What was his prayer to God? Give me wisdom that I can administrate justice. He focused on justice and apparently he did pretty good in that area. So he focused on those two. What area did he leave go? External threats. Because what happens during the end of his reign and into the next one? they got problems with enemies. People are revolting against Solomon. They're not paying tribute money anymore. The next one, they have battles again. Come on, David had stopped all that. So, you cannot just focus on one or two. You must change the focus. And believers have done this. We have kept our focus on the enemy from the time we have been taught I have dominion until the time... We go on to be with Him. We focus on the enemy. We focus on dominating the enemy. I am not sick. I am not going to give in to sickness and disease. I am not going to let the enemy bombard my mind. I'm not going to let the enemy do this. It's all about the enemy. We completely focus on taking care of the enemy. If you do that, are you a good ruler? No. You're not ruling well. You need to Mix this up a little bit. You need to get out there and work on some other things. If we're going to be a good ruler, we must manage and reprioritize each area as the need changes. You've got to look for the need. How do you know what the need is? There are times that you as a Christian need to focus on external enemies. Let me show you something here. This is not in your outline. You'll have to write this down if you want it. Over in Luke chapter 4. We're going to be over at verse 13. This is at the end of Jesus being tempted by the enemy, by the devil. He had tempted him for this time. Verse 13. Now, when the devil had what? When the devil had ended? When the devil had ended every temptation. I want you to understand this. Satan is not always attacking you, <laughs> nor is his kingdom. They come and they go. There is a time of attack, there's a time they pull back. Even with Jesus, he ended. And look what it says. He departed from him until a, an opportune time. He was looking for another opportune time. He came after him with everything that he had, and it didn't work. And so he went away. Understand this you can, you will be attacked by the enemy but it will end. It will end. It will then pick up again down the road. But every attack has an end. Every attack has a beginning. You talk to some Christians and they start, with, they're under attack today, tomorrow, next week, the next month, the next year. They're still under attack. They're attacked. They're attack. They're attacked. Attack. 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 What's their focus then? As far as the ruler is concerned, what is their focus? External enemies. Can they manage the priorities? No. Because they are convinced of external enemies are a constant and so they must continually do this. If they always focus on the one area, what happens to the other two? If the other two areas never become a number one priority, what happens to them? They get weaker. All three of these areas at some time in your life need to be the number one priority. And it's going to be different. One of you will have external enemies as the number one priority. Someone else might have internal resources as the number one priority. Another one's over there administrating justice. And some of you are thinking, what in the world is administrating justice? How am I, as a ruler, supposed to administrate justice? We'll get to that. Because you've got to know what each one of these things are. You need to focus on these three, but you need to move it around. And you need to know when to move it around. There are some Christians, if you talk to them, they are always under attack. Oh, the devil's attacked me today, my car ran out of gas. Sometimes you just want to say, dummy, put gas in it. They got a, they got a cure for that. Go to the gas station. The enemy's attacking me, I lost my job. Oh man, that is so bad. I, and you begin to talk to them some about, well they're always late. Then they're leaving early. Then they're sick one or two days a week. And then they only work half the day when they're there. They're not always prepared. And you begin to wonder, why well, did you get that job? How did they, how did you keep that job that long? That's not attacking the enemy. That's you being stupid. Don't be stupid. Yeah, sometimes we're always putting things under attack. Sometimes they are not an attack. Sometimes it's just us being stupid. Then we need to fix it. Fortunately, being stupid is fixable. <laughs> yes, the easy way is to stop it. I mean, sometimes some of the things people are doing, just just, mm. right, I'll slap them, do something, get them, get them right. We just got to we just gotta fix that thing up. All right, let's take a look at some of these things. We all know what it is to minimize external threats. I don't think we've we spent some time on that as we've been going through it. We're not really going to spend a whole lot of time on the uh, external threats. We know when the enemy comes against us, and we'll get some more into things like that. But I want to get into the other two. Why should these two be a priority, and how are they going to be a priority in my life? First off, administer justice. What is administering justice? How am I as a ruler of my own body? How am I as a ruler of my own life? It's supposed to be administer justice. Do I have two sides? I've got to figure out which one's right. You know, should I do that? Should I not? What's going on with this thing? Well, to administer justice, administering justice is really just figuring out what's right from wrong. That's all it is. Distinguishing right and wrong based on God's word, not my feelings. That's what administering justice is. Distinguishing right and wrong based on God's word, not my feelings. Too many Christians are out there. I don't feel like that's right. I really don't care what you feel like. What's God's word say? That's all that matters. And how are you supposed to know what God's Word said? Well, you should have been meditating in the Word, you should have been growing in the Word, you should have been learning the Word, you should know the Word. And the Word should tell you this. But I'll tell you why you talk to some Christians. And Well, I know that's not exactly Scripture, but I just feel like, I don't care what you feel like. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. It don't matter what they did. Administering justice is basically obedience to what I know. I yeah, I know some things about the Word of God. i got to be obedient to it. i got to walk in obedience to it. And there are sometimes I need to walk in the area of ministering justice because I got a flesh side of me that says, I want to do this. And I've got a spirit side of me that says, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And so I have to decide between the two. Which one is right? How many times have you ever been in there? In, a, in that area where you've got a decision one way, or the other way? What's God saying? That's administering justice. That's spending time and figuring out what's right. What's the right thing to do here? What's the wrong thing to do here? That's being a ruler of your kingdom. So you can keep yourself out of sin, keep yourself on the good side, keep yourself doing the right thing. Do you know that administering justice helps you in the area of defeating enemies? Think of it this way. If we, as a country, have a lousy judicial system, Maybe that's not too hard to imagine. <laughs> but say that we have a lousy judicial system and you just don't think you're going to get a, a, a fair shake at it at all. I mean, every time that you've been called in by the police or by something, it's, you just always are wrong and you're just, you're just getting frustrated. Does that make you want to defend the country? How many of you want to defend a country that you feel like is, is uh, shorting you? I'm not gonna defend this country. Are you kidding me? Give up my life for this? I'll move. I'll move. If you administer justice correctly in the country, then people want to stay. This is nice here. Oh, you want to come over and mess with that country? No, 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 no. You're not coming over here. I'll kill you before you come over here and mess with my country. Uh-uh. Why don't you come over here and do all that sort of stuff? And we stand up and, you know, World War One, World War II, Revolutionary War. We stood up and we fought some wars. We had some people die. Because somebody wanted to change our system. Somebody wanted to do something different with it. So we like it. Administer justice. Administer correctly. It's worth fighting for. But we've got to spend some time doing that. Look over here at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now... They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. That's administering justice. That saying, body, you are not going to do whatever you want to do. You are going to do what the Word of God said you were to do. I'm not going to go over there and be fleshy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to say this. I'm going to keep my conversation pure. I'm going to keep my thoughts pure. I'm going to keep going in a direction that God said I'm supposed to go in. I'm not going to allow thoughts of defeat to come on in. I'm, and you, you, you administer justice. We're not going the wrong way. We are staying the way we're supposed to be staying. We're moving the direction we're supposed to be moving. You need to administer justice. You keep yourself on that straight and narrow path. You keep yourself on the way that God says. God says, I want you to go there, you go there. And you get a little distraction that comes up on the left or right? No. No. That's a distraction. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go that way. Remember the prophet who was sent to send a message to the king? And the and the spirit said to him, Go back a different way. Don't go back the way you came. Go back a different way. And so he was doing that, and then the old prophet sent a messenger and said, Now oh, come on back here, Spirit of God said to me, It's okay to come on back. And, then they're sitting there at the meal. He's eating there in the place. And then the old prophet gets up and says, Thus says the Lord, you disobeyed. Now you're dead. I'm thinking, that old prophet ought to go too. <laughs> that's my style. I read that story. That old prophet ought to go too. <laughs> Take them both. He's messing with them. He's the, if you don't know that story, go over there. I think, think it's in Kings. And, uh, and you can read that over on your own. But how many of you have ever read that story and you thought, that's not fair? i mean the young guy. He was doing what God said and he gave in to this other guy because he thought God said something to him. He's still saying he's obeying God. He didn't obey what God said. So you have to decide. You have to do it on your own. Administer justice. Is this the right way? He should have certainly said, well, the Lord may have spoken unto you, but this is what the Lord spoke to me. And I must obey what He spoke to me, not what He spoke to you. Thanks for the invitation. Appreciate it. Gotta go back. He kept on his way. That's what he should have done. That's what you need to do. And sometimes what the devil wants to do is get you to be distracted. Now remember back over here, we, we looked at Jesus. Jesus is being in the, he's in the wilderness. He was led there by the Holy Spirit. And while he was there, the devil took the opportunity to tempt him. And the devil is tempting him with all sorts of things. All, we hear about three of them, but he's tempting him with all manner of temptation. He's just trying to get him to be pulled off. Because if he can get him to be faltered in this area of administrating justice, what happens when he comes against external enemies? Is Jesus as powerful to come against external enemies when he comes to the cross if he gives in in the area of administrating justice? No. He's disqualified because the reason he can go to the cross is because he was tempted in all ways as we, yet without sin. So all the devil says is, all I have to do is get him into sin and he can't come after me. If the devil can get you to follow after stuff that you shouldn't be messing with, it affects how you can go after him. So if he's losing in the area of external the external enemies, if he's losing, you're beating him in that area, then he's going to come over here to administer injustice. Let's see if we can subvert. Let's see if we can get them into temptation. Let's see if we can pull them off. They've been spending time in the Word. Let's see if we can get them spending time in other things. They've been meditating on the Word. Let's see if we can get them to spend time meditating on worry and cares and concerns. Let's see if we can do that. Because if we can get them to worry and be on cares and concerns, and then when they come after me in those areas, ah, they have no power. They have no strength. Let's get them going over here. The ruler has to do what? needs to rule well. Maximize internal resources. Well, these are simple. I mean, most of these we already know. If we're going to maximize internal resources, these are the things that I have at my disposal. These are not things that belong to the enemy. These are things that belong to me. They are mine. They have been given to me. And I have them at my disposal. One thing is growing the Word. Keep growing in the Word. You keep hearing the same messages over and over again, you're not growing in the Word. You keep going over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are good. But there are other books in the Bible. Go out there and read them. Well, I just like Ephesians. Great, you like Ephesians. You need to get into Galatians too. You need to get into Corinthians. You need to read Genesis once in a while. Go out there and read Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. Oh, that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. It's still the Bible. You need to get out there and know what these things are going going on. What about Jeremiah? When was the last time you ever read Jeremiah? When was the last time you ever read Ezekiel? Well, there's nothing good in Ezekiel. It's just one of those big, long books. It's just kind of Leviticus. I mean, who needs that? Leviticus. See, he got you in the area of ministry and justice because you have already decided, well, I don't need this Word, I just need this one. Weakened you there. You're not growing in the Word. You keep growing in the Word. Now, as you grow in the Word, here's what you have. The Spirit of God comes up on the inside of you and says, you know what, you need this. And he tells you, go on over here and study a little bit out of this, on this topic. You need something. This. Why is he warning you that you need, some, you need to study something on this topic? Because he knows something's down the road. Something's down the road. Something's coming. There was a there was a threat coming. You need to take care of this thing. Get out there and do it. it. Gives you foresight. Thank God for foresight. That helps. You know how many problems we avoid with foresight? President Ronald Reagan dropped the empire of the Soviet Union because of foresight. Knocked it down. There's a foresight. He went over there one of the one of the peace treaties, and the whole press picked on him for it. But he went over there with the Soviets, and they were saying, "All right, what are we going to do? We need to we need to take care of some of these things." And uh, and they put things on the table, and they said, "All right, well, we'll do this. All right, well, we'll do this." And the Soviets said, "We want you to take that missile defense system and scrap it." And President Ronald Reagan got off from the table and said, "I'm sorry, that's not negotiable," and walked out. He said, "No, it's not negotiable." I'm not negotiating. And if that's what you want, then we're out of here. We don't need to negotiate. So you can send anything. He's basically saying, you can send anything to us you want. We'll shoot it down. We will shoot it down. And here's here's what happened. The Soviets know so much that if the United States set their sights to do something, they would do it. He knew it. And so what they had to do was they had to develop better missiles and better radar and better all kinds of stuff. And he broke them. Because basically what he says is, we can outspend you guys. We make more money than you guys. We can outspend you. And he was right. And they realized we can't win this battle. And it broke them all the way, all the way down. Because he had foresight to see something. People picked on him for it, but he had foresight to see that. God has foresight into what's coming up in your life. He knows what missiles the enemy has targeted for you. And he says, this is how you're going to shoot them out of the sky. I mean, what good is a million-dollar missile if it can't reach its target? What good is it? You can shoot it out of the sky. You know, we are the first nation to be able to do that. We're the only one who develops stuff. Have you you ever, y'all stay up on that stuff? Anybody stay up on that stuff? Oh, I love that stuff. Oh, It's great. We got, we got several missile systems. They can shoot this little tiny missile. Shoot it out of the sky. Direct hit, just knock it right out. Mm. That's, that's hitting. That's missiles moving. And they can hit them, knock them right out of the sky. That's so cool. <laughs> and if you're not into war and all that sort of stuff, this, you ought to love missile defense because it doesn't kill anybody. It just kills missiles. It all does. They they work good. But have have some idea of what's coming. God has an idea of what missiles are targeted for you, and He says, I got some weapons for you. Get them into your arsenal. Bring them into your. Develop. Make them one of your resources. I got some, some weapons over there in Galatians. If you'll study it some more, you'll get them out. If you study Ephesians a little bit more, you'll get it out. If you go over here, you'll see it. You'll pull that out and that'll be a weapon at your disposal. And as soon as that missile comes by, you can shoot it out of the sky. There are times you need to spend your resources on maximizing internal resources. You know what, God? Seems like uh, Satan's taking a break. While he's taking a break, I'm going to build up my arsenal. I'm going to build some bigger missiles and be ready for those things he's gonna throw in my way. I'm gonna get ready for him. When he comes back. We'll be ready. We'll take care of him. And you spend some time on it. And you spend time in the Word. Now, I've talked to Christians, we've been over this before. This will be a review for some of you. It'd be new for other other folks, but it's always good to go over anyway. I've told you before there are seasons that you go through in the Word of God, or in your in your life. There are seasons. There are times you go through a season of just reading the Word. There are times you go through seasons of studying the Word. There are times you go through seasons of more prayer than anything else. There are times you go through seasons of meditating on the Word of God. You better move with the season. Because there is nothing worse than showing up for a ski resort in the middle of summer. (laughs) That's terrible. Got all the skis, all the equipment, and no place to go. If God has you in a season of just reading the Word and quit trying to study it, just read it. And get as much in as you can. If if God has you in the season of studying the Word of God, reading is not going to help you out. If God's got you into a season of prayer, and you're trying to substitute it with with uh, reading or studying, it's not going to help you out as much. But sometimes we get into such a legalistic view of a relationship with God. Well, I've always read a couple of chapters a day. I always have. I've always read a couple. I need to read a couple of chapters a day. I've always studied the Word. Not into that reading thing. But I'll study one or two verses a whole lot every day. No, I'm just into prayer. I just pray and God shows me what He needs to do from His Word. That's all I do. Well, you all go down. No, you need to have, you need to have some of those phases. I've told you some of the phases I went through. I went through a phase of reading and I couldn't get enough reading. I could not read it enough. Now, I stopped counting, but I know that by the time I graduated high school, I would read it cover to cover five times. I couldn't read it enough. I'd read it between classes. I'd read it when I had study hall. My chemistry teacher told me if you read your chemistry book as much as you did the Bible, you'd get an A. (laughs) Chemistry wasn't as interesting to me as the Bible was. I was just always reading it. Always had my nose in it. Just reading this and reading that and reading this. And I never set out to memorize anything, but I went up to King's College and took their, their, their Bible test, passed it. One of only, I think it was seven people out of 300 and some passed it. I was the only one who passed it who didn't have any Bible school education. And so I, all that meant was I could opt out of the first year of Bible classes. So naturally I did. Went out of them, But then I got out of that reading phase. Now that was hard for me because I didn't really know too much about phases. I'm thinking I've always read, and I'm not really feeling like the need to read so much. I just really want to study this thing. I Just really want to study and get into just study it. So I got into a studying phase, and, and you'll find that there's different different phases. I can get into a meditating stage stage now and not even pick it up, not even pick up the Bible. There are days I go through and I don't pick it up. Don't think I didn't get into it. I've got so much of it into me that I can study the Bible without it being in front of me. I do not need it in front of me anymore. The spirit of God can just say, remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. And I'll just start going over it word for word. Then, then sit down and memorize it, just going over it word for word in my spirit. Yep, yeah, yep. Oh. Yeah, I see that. Oh. Oh yeah. And once I see something, then I go pick it up. <laughs> God, I want to see it right in front of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see that. And then I, He'll start taking me on a vein over in here and stuff. But you got to be ready for those phases. You got to. He knows what's coming. Amen. See, if I don't, you don't go through the reading phase. I wouldn't. If I didn't go through the reading phase that I had, I wouldn't have been ready for the study phase. If I didn't go through the study phase and the reading phase, I wouldn't have been ready for a meditation stage. You can't meditate what you don't know. There's other times you're going to take in. You're going to have more time in prayer, more time in prayer, and and that's all right. You just listen to God on the thing. God will take you into into some places. He'll give you some stuff. But then if the if the phase moves, you listen because you need the word. I'll tell you what, if I'm not reading the Word, I'm meditating on the Word. Don't ever think that I'm not in the Word any particular day. I am in the Word every day. Sometimes it's just meditating. Sometimes it's reading it. Sometimes it's studying it. But you listen to your God. He's working on taking those resources that you have and developing them and getting them ready. Now, there's some folks out there that they listen to... P- How many of you like to listen to people teach the Word of God? I like to listen to people teach the Word of God. I never teach anything anyone ever uh, anyone else teaches me until I studied it out first I never do it I have to study it out myself I got to get that light turns on, on the inside of me I got to get that revelation because you get into trouble otherwise but it's not yours until you until you studied it out grow in the word grow in prayer develop your your relationship with God in prayer make sure you develop that relationship with God in prayer you got to be able to hear what god is saying to you it's a whole lot easier to develop that. You are just think of the battlefield. How is it that they're able to, to move troops from here to here or know what's going on over here? It's communication. How do they get all those things set up? In peacetime, you develop communication resources. You test out new ways and then you get them implemented. So that you're ready for wartime, grow in prayer, grow in the Word. Now here's, here's two may not be as obvious to you. Grow in influence. Grow in influence. It's important that you grow in influence. That you have people that you sow into. That you have people that you put into. It's important for your overall rulership. A king who rules well, does he not sow into some of the people that are there? Does he not you know, raise up good leaders and good generals and good captains and such things like that? Galatians chapter 6, and verse 6. Let him who is is taught the Word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Talking about this verse, while he's talking about sowing. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Whom do you do good to? People. You do good to people. Jesus said, Whatsoever you have done to the least of these, you've done unto Me. He didn't say what you've done unto cats, you've done unto Me. He didn't say what you've done unto dogs, you've done unto Me. He didn't say what you've done I'm for the birds and the fishes, you've done unto me, did he? Got all these people running around, being passionate about taking care of God's creations and killing people in the process. What's God look at? You killed people. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You ever done good for people and lost heart doing it? Oh yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? people do stupid stuff or whatever but you don't do the good for the people you do the good for who? God therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith Nobody you know why you had to say that because other people discourage you the most <laughs> <That's true. laughs> the way that it is I mean you're out there doing good for Christian people don't they let you down the most oh man they do because you expect more out of them Here they are letting you down. But he said first off, back in verse 9, and let us not grow... Now, if you don't like that verse, I think I saw something in the Bible that you are allowed to scratch out three verses. (laughs) Oh, you all didn't see that? Oh, alright. I guess it's not there then. No, you have to listen to all of them, don't you? (laughs) We may not like it because sometimes Christian people make us grow weary... Are these people over no there helping them out? nobody they did. Let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we shall reap in due season. How many want that season to be now? <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm know. i there too. I can grow weary. therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, grow in influence, get out there and sow into Christians, get out there and sow into all. But get out there especially and sow into Christians. Why should you do it? Because we're in a battle. And if you are going to rule well, you need allies. You need people that are going to help you out. And sometimes you get involved in a battle and you need other people to help you out. And so you have to go out there and requisition other people. Isn't that right? How many have ever taken on a big project like moving? How many like to move? Anybody here like to move? I despise moving. Bruce is loving moving right now, right? Wow. Bruce is. That's great. When you move, you need to have help. You need to have some help. So what do you do? Call all the people you can. Please help. Please come help me. Come help me. What makes it easier? If you have helped them. then not that make it easier? Yes. If you sow into other people into their moving experience, then they can come back and sow into your moving experience. If you sow into other people in their battles they face with the enemy, they can come back in and sow into your battles that you face against the enemy. And so you're out there looking. Who's going through battles? I've got word inside of me. I've learned some word. I've got some word. And you're looking for people going through battles. Oh, you're going through a battle. Here, have some word Thank you. Boy, that helped out. Have some prayer. Oh, thank you. That helped out. And then you go through a battle. What do they want to do? Oh, I got some word. Have some word. Have some prayer. Oh, this is good. We're sowing into each other. Need to do that. See, a good ruler has good allies. Alliances help out. Need to have good allies. Grow in influence. You're all going to love this one. Grow in submission. (coughs) Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. In case you didn't get it the first time. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief that would be unprofitable for you. This is not the way most Christians operate and this is one reason why we are not ruling in this life the way we are. We have got the Word in us. We develop ourselves in prayer. I'm even out there influencing other people. sowing what Word I had, but I am submitted to no one. Now, I've told you this before. we talked to this years ago and we keep coming back to it and, and, and uh, reiterate it every once in a while. But how do remember, remember when we talked to you about Influencers that you need to have influences in your life. These folks, and this is dangerous, and it's real tough sometimes to say this to people because they don't always know exactly how to hear it, but uh, how many of you know when Brother Philip was up here, you hear hear the way he talks about Brother Hagin? Well, Brother Hagin said this and so we did it. You never hear him say, well, we checked it out and found out it was so. All you hear is, well, Brother Hagin said and we did it. (laughs) He was submitted. You need to get somewhere in your life where you can have some people there that you're submitted to. Where all they need to do is speak something. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They've tested themselves out. They've shown themselves to be true. And if they say, you need to quit doing that. Yes, sir. You don't say, well, why do you think I need to quit doing that? What's your basis for me having to quit doing that? I don't think I have to quit. You tell me what the basis is for that. Always judging everything. See, a person who is always judging everything that comes out of your mouth... They're, they're not necessarily submitted. They're, they're on an equal level. And it's okay to judge. You know, it's, I'm not saying don't ever judge things. You should judge. But after a while, you ought to be able to get a couple people in your life, after you've been walking with, with, under, with God for a while and listening to men and women of God and watching their walk and seeing how they go, you ought to just receive stuff from them. Can you imagine if Timothy gets a letter from Paul and Paul says, quit doing this over here, and Timothy says, I don't think so. I kind of feel like God's telling me to do that, so I'm going to keep doing it. How do you think Paul would have responded? I know a little bit about Paul. Can't say I know Paul personally, but know a little bit about Paul. Paul would not have liked that very well. But you know why people were submitted to Paul? Because Paul sold out to them. He totally sold out. He was there, he was in their corner. He did not exercise power over them, they yielded it to Him. We, a long time ago, I put a quote in the bulletin that people are willing to trust leaders with power as long as the leader, I'm paraphrasing it, but as long as the leader is willing to give, it up, give up the power. People don't trust leaders who won't give up power. That's basically what it comes down to. You know, when Sarah Palin walked away from being governor, she says, I can give up power. I respect that out of the lady. I can give up power. I don't need power. Then you look at some of these senators who have been in there forever and they're abusive with the power. They will not give it up. I don't trust those people with power. I'll take someone much more like a Sarah Palin or someone like that who's willing to walk away from it. I don't need that power because that's a person you can trust with. it. That's what you want to have. But you need to have a couple people like that in your life. Look what he says here again. And the scripture. Obey those who rule over you. How do they get to the place that they rule over you? Now, don't just say, "Well, you know, they're they're kings and such things." Like, no. And be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. These are people, folks, that are looking out for where you're going. You know, and there's leaders out there who are not just looking to to hang on to power. Spiritual leaders. You should have a few in your life. That they can speak something into you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, Doug Jones is one of those for me. When he come we bring him out here to the church every once in a while. I want him to see what's going on. And if Brother Doug says, Steve, quit that. I'll say, Yes, sir. I won't say, Well, explain yourself. Well, prove that. No, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If he came out to me and, and he, he checked out some things on our website and he does that every once in a while. He checks out some things on the website and he says, Steve, you're teaching error. Yes, sir. I won't do that. I won't do that. I'll stay out of that. Now, Doug, Doug did some things to get to that place in my life, but he's definitely in that place in my life. He can speak into me and just say, quit it. Yes, sir. I won't ask him to prove it. They can speak directly into my life and I'll, I'll let him do that. There ought to be people that you have in your, in your walk that can do that to you. They just speak directly, yes, no, yes, yes, no, I won't do that anymore. No, no, no. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll go that way. Be submissive. But that's not what we have here. What we have anymore is people, well, I'll see if God tells me to do that. See what God's saying. Let me take it to prayer. Let me find, well, God wasn't leading me that way today. See, that's why, uh, we can only get this, this idea, the, the ruler who came to Jesus, and he said, I too am a man under authority. And I say that this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. I too, wouldn't you think that you would say, I too am a man in authority? I too am a man, if you are not under authority, you have no authority. Understand this. If you are not under authority, you have no authority. The reason that the police have authority in your life when they pull up in the car is because of, oh, look who it is. It's Bill. Oh, it's Bill. i got to listen to him. No. The reason that they have authority is because you know the force behind it. You know what's going on behind it. They're under authority. They're acting under authority. If you do not have someone in authority over you, you will end up with no authority at all. You've got to rule well. Good rulers rule well. They don't just dominate. Good rulers, they rule well. They don't just dominate. Too many times, folks, we want to get out there and we want to dominate the devil. Oh, I'm going to beat the devil up on sickness. Oh, I'm going to beat the devil up on this. Oh, you're not going to get this. We're beating them up, beating them up, beating them up. Always fighting the devil. Always fighting the devil. Never Messing with the other areas in our, in our life. Just this one. Understand this. Dominate enemies, nurture resources, and judge situations. Same three things we gave you before, just said it differently. Dominate enemies, nurture resources, judge situations. When situations come in your life, judge them according to the Word of God. Judge them. Is this God? Is this not God? Is this the way for God? God's telling me to go? Is this not the way? What's the way that God's saying? Judge the situations. Nurture the resources that you have. Take that word that's been put in you and meditate on it. Think on it. Get that to be part of you. And then get out there and dominate the enemies. You can dominate the enemies, but folks, we're out there working so hard dominating the enemy, we're not doing the other things. We are wonder why it's not working. We've got to get these other things going on. If you're going to be a good ruler, there are three areas that you must work in. You must have the ability to judge, to maximize your resources, to minimize the enemy. You've got to work on all three. And one of those is going to be a priority at a time. But it's going to ro- rotate. It's going to roam around. If you're always dominating the enemy, you won't be dominating for very long. You've got to get in there. You've got to nurture some of those resources. You've got to get get pulled back and build yourself up and get your guns going again. get in there and keep yourself on the right path, because the devil knows if I can get you distracted, if I can get you off the path, I can subvert your authority. If I can get you to be unsubmissive, I can subvert your authority. He doesn't care if you understand this; all he, un- all he knows is if I get you off, I got you beat. Are you a ruler? who rules well what makes a ruler rule well I want you to just sometimes just think about something some of the rulers that, have, that you have had in your past whether they be presidents whether they be kings whether they be queens whether, whoever they be wherever country and think of what made that ruler stand out to you that was a good ruler boy that was good that was bad ruler bad ruler oh oh bad ruler when I first got into the political scene, it was a long time ago, and I got under under what I considered a bad ruler. It got me so fired up. That actually probably would got me in. That was President Jimmy Carter. Oh, I still sometimes think back on some of those things. I get so embarrassed what was, what was going on. That to me was a bad ruler. Now, some of the other people say, oh, you was I don't know what they're looking at, but they're looking at something different than I'm looking at, I guess. But anyway, that's, that went on. But I looked at those things. What made him a bad ruler? What made this one a good ruler? What made this one a mediocre ruler? What was going on? And evaluate these three things. Now, here's a side note. You will notice that our government is beginning to step outside of those three realms. They didn't just start it this year. They didn't just start it last year. They didn't just start it 10 years ago. They started this decades ago. And they've been going worse and worse with it. They keep adding more areas than these three things. Notice, the government is not to provide for you. Because you know what? The government cannot produce anything. All the government can do is redistribute. Cannot produce. You produce. Companies produce. Stuff like that. So, as they start getting outside those three things, that's getting out into the area. I don't care who's in there Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, no matter who's in whatever office. You step outside those areas, you get in unchallenged ground. So, don't you get into that either. Because here's what can happen How many times have you got into pulled into a thing where you need to be provisions for someone else? Nobody? You ever getting called into a place where you need to people are always coming over and they need you for this and they need you for this, and, and you just become a provider for that person. You're not called to be their provider. You can be called to sell into them, to help them. But anyway, that's a whole whole other thing. Understand. Three areas. How are you doing in all three? Have you been spending all your time on dominating the devil? Or have you spent some time in nurturing your resources? Judging situations? How have you been doing that? Would you all stand up with me? We told you before. We want you to have that time where you can say, this is my situation. This is what I'm facing. This is what's going on. I need to have a time in my life when I say, I've received prayer for this thing. And this is what I got one, one note from at least one person who was... Wanting to do that? So Elizabeth, come on up. She wants prayer for her eyes, for clarity and sharpness and vision. And all things foreign to leave. (laughs) Floaters. All right, we're going to be praying over that. And then from this point on, she's going to be able to say, on this date, what is it, the 16th? August 16th. I put my faith out. I built my faith up. I have myself ready. I receive what God has. No matter what happens down the road. That's what we're going to do. There's times you pull back and you nurture the resources. You're back into the Word. Father God, what's your Word say about healing? Oh, I need to see what your Word says about healing. And you nurture the resources. And then there's times you recognize, devil, this is what you're trying to do. I am not going to let you. I'm ready for you. I am ready for you. There's times that the devil's trying to pull you off and get you distracted, get you thinking about other things, totally, seem, at least seemingly, unrelated to the thing you're believing for. But just like Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted, the devil's plans were longer range. He wants to stop this thing from happening. He's not going to let it happen. Defend against it. How well do you rule? How well do you rule? If you were to judge yourself as a ruler how well you've been doing managing all three things. Are you just focusing on one, leaving the other two go? Give you three examples. Saul, David, Solomon. And they all focus on different areas. And you can see some of the things that came from that. What happens if you rotate all three and keep them all into the forefront? Good things will happen. Well, if you didn't get a note in, but you have been meditating this week and you're already say. Today's my day. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to have this as a day. I had hands laid on me. I received healing for this. This is it. You can come on up here to the front too. We'll pray over you. Let's all pray over Elizabeth here. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Eyes, we just command you right now. You are clear. You are able to see all things that are in front of you. You will not be hindered. You will not be stopped. In the name of Jesus, we command these eyes to open up and everything that would affect this vision to try and keep it from being clear. In the name of Jesus, you will not continue on. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Receive that power. We're going to pray over him last, and I know what we're praying over him for. Come on. You don't mind being last. Yeah. All right. Now, I know you've been meditating on the scriptures. Give me one or two that you've been going over. (laughs) What did you do this (laughs) morning? Did it just go out of your head? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Glory to the God. Glory to God. Bones in the name of Jesus, we speak to you right now. Just as bones in the Old Testament were spoken life to, we speak life to you. You will be strong. You will not grow weak and brittle. In the name of Jesus, there is strength in your bones. Strength in the core. Strength in the shell. Strength in every part of those bones. They have every bit of nutrient they need. In the name of Jesus, this body is healed in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. Thank you. I want more that verse of All right. I thought you were up for him. Uh, no. All right. Is, this is, this is this different. Is Go ahead. Um, well, you know the type of business I'm mm-hmm. in. I know finances always comes down. I don't get caught up in, in what the dangers of happening. So just, you know, yeah. call the five minutes. We'll be there because you has been compiling me. Just keep me out of the circle around me. Mm. All right. Father God, I thank you for the wisdom that comes from you. Lord Jesus, you said if any of us lack wisdom, they'd ask of you and you'd give it. Yes. So, Father, right now we thank you for the wisdom of God. It goes with Dwight every place he goes. Did any of these things that try and pull him outside of your circle, your way, and pull him into another? Father, he'll spot it right Ah, Oh, no, no, no. Yes. That's that's wrong. That's not right. Now, in my spirit, I can tell that's right. That's not right. That's wrong. I can tell from the Word of God that's wrong. That's not right. I can tell from the light that God sheds on my path. That is not the way to go. And Father, he'll hold to what you have said, because he rules his kingdom well. He's a good ruler. Hallelujah. And he'll keep himself on that. note. this is where God said for me to stay. I'm under authority. I'm under him. When he speaks to me, when he says, I listen. Father, I thank you for the help that you give him now. And I thank you, Father, that every way that you lead him, you bless him. Just like Abraham, no matter where you took him, he was blessed. And Father, he is blessed wherever he is. And whatever he does, whatever he puts his hand to, you cause it to be successful. Thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Alright, make sure we have everybody. Alright. Alright, off to school again. John, when do you head off? Alright, so you got another week. Alright. Some of these, some of our young men go away to, you leave next Sunday. Yeah, so, that's all that I thought I heard. This is, this is last Sunday here, except for coming back home and visit some. You're a little further away, about two states. Virginia. Yeah, Yeah, keep forgetting the state that it's in. It's not Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. Okay, so year, right? Second. No. I thought it was the second. This is going to be third. Oh, wow, boy. Lord, time flies. All right. Hallelujah. Glory be to your name. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the spirit of God that is life inside of Chad right now. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the way that he will continue to feed yes. his spirit on the inside that he will continue to grow in you and to be strong in the things of God. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Lord Jesus, you love Chad. You. you love him with everything in you. You have a call and a direction for him. And this year, Father, thy calling is going to be even more clear. That direction is going to be more certain. You're going to open up his eyes to see some things. And there's going to be some areas where he's going to have to have some faith in and say, all right, I believe, God, that you'll bring that about and that you'll do that thing. And these are necessary steps to accomplish what's down down the road. Father, I thank you for the help that you give him his spirit. His spirit is being built up continually. He'll do the things that are necessary. And he'll be hearing. When he has those faith steps, he'll be ready for them. Father, I thank you for it. Thank you for the wisdom that comes from his dad on those things that his dad needs to speak him into his life. And that he'll be submissive and he'll hear. And he'll receive those things. And Father, he'll receive those things that come from your spirit. Glory be to God. A year from now, hearing will be different. How you hear from God will be more real than it is even now. More, we look forward for that to be changing. God, to be growing and developing. Father, I thank you for the influence that he will have where he is. For the good that he will steer things to, toward. That he will be a light for you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We'll miss seeing I hope you meditate on this a little bit more there's more to get out of it but some of you just have to meditate on and understand what makes a good ruler It's not just one who can dominate there's more to it there's more to being a good ruler than just being a good dominator you can't just dominate the enemy but boy I tell you when you get into all the things that God wants to develop you in as a ruler to he called you to rule and reign it said in Romans to rule and reign in this life there are aspects of it we have not fully developed in our Christian walk but you will Father I thank you for the help that you give us we are ready to develop all aspects of being a ruler for you to walk in rulership to walk in dominion to walk in fellowship to walk in submission to walk in all the things that are necessary to make us a good ruler thank you for the wisdom that comes from your spirit and the help that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today's picnic day. We hope y'all came ready for a picnic. If you brought picnic,